VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And welcome to Crosstalk here on VCY America. Ladies and gentlemen, 22 years ago today, Islamic terrorists struck America, claiming the lives of 2,977 individuals. It was a deadliest attack on U.S. soil. In New York City, 2,753 people died. 343 of these were firefighters. The death toll at the Pentagon, 184. And just outside Shanksville, Pennsylvania, 40 individuals died. We remind you that the Quran declares Jews and Christians as being infidels. Followers of Islam are told to perform jihad against the infidels and the hypocrites and be harsh with them, and their abode will be in hell, and evil is the final place. Oh, in some countries there was dancing in the streets as to what was happening here in the United States of America. Who would have thought Now, 22 years later, for the first time in our nation's history, the sitting U.S. president is skipping one of the official memorial ceremonies in either Washington or New York City or Pennsylvania, even visiting one of the sites in which terrorism hit this nation. Who would have thought that New York City, the home of Ground Zero, would be the location where now the Muslim call to prayer is being broadcast publicly over loudspeakers? Who would have thought that school districts now provide halal dietary options for students? Who would have thought that Yelp would have a listing of the top 10 mosques to visit in the New York City area? Who would have thought that with the open border policies of this administration that we have allowed ISIS-linked smugglers to help individuals enter our country illegally? And who would have thought that just two weeks ago, President Biden did not declare Islam a terrorist threat. Rather, he indicated that the U.S. intelligence community has determined that domestic terrorism is rooted in white supremacy as being the greatest terrorist threat that we face in our homeland. Listen in your, with your own ears. To the point where the intelligence community is determined, the U.S. intelligence community is determined that domestic terrorism rooted in white supremacy is the greatest terrorist threat we face in the homeland. The greatest threat. Who would have thought that the White House would hold a listening session on Islamophobia with the president committing to counter Islamophobia? Well, folks, with analysis of 9-11, specifically and the impact of 9-11, and the lessons we have as a nation have not learned, we welcome back Sharam Hadian. He's a former Muslim from Iran who came to the States in 1978 committed his life to Jesus Christ. Sharam started the Truth and Love Project, and now Truth and Love Ministry is founding pastor of Truth and Love Ministry. Sharam exposes the true goal of Islam and the threat of Sharia in America. He has served as a pastor, a police officer, a former candidate for governor in Washington State. Sharam, thank you for joining us today. Jim, thank you for having me on the program again. 22 years ago, Islamic terrorism struck our nation. Uh, what are your thoughts on this 22nd anniversary, Sharam? Well, Jim, I don't think we're just at the point of we've forgotten. I think we're at the point that uh, history has been rewritten. You know, there, there, there's part of it that you could say, oh, we, you know, we may forget something and we have to remind ourselves. But it's another thing when you see that intentionally the history has been rewritten. The, the victims have been made to be the perpetrators. Uh, the perpetrators have been made to be the, the victims. Today we live in a world where it is... Muslims who are persecuted. It is Muslims who must be protected. Um, and as you mentioned, this outrageous decision by the city of New York to allow the Islamic call of prayer, the place where America was attacked by those Islamic jihadists on 9-11. So it is, it is grieving. It is uh, shameful uh, that we ha- as a people have come. And as a former Muslim, Jim, one who travels and, and for years, years traveled and, and spoke about Islam and tried to warn America about Islam, it is beyond grieving where we have come and how we have now allowed the fox to completely take over the hen house, using that analogy. Islam attacked us, and now they are controlling much of the narrative of our national security and our media and our uh, even our religious liberties 
uh, are being violated now, but yet Muslims are being given access and carte blanche access that Christians would never be allowed to have, like uh, the Islamic call of prayer in New York City. You know, Sharam, uh, President Biden is skipping the 9-11 memorial services uh, at one of the official ceremonies in Washington or New York City or Pennsylvania. What message does that send? Well, first of all, I think it sends a a message that they don't care. They don't care about America. And I think that uh, should be pretty obvious at this point, that this administration, uh, these are individuals that hate this nation, that want to see the destruction of this nation, which, by the way, is the same goal of Islam. We have to remember that the words of the Islamic movement in America, particularly the 9-11, or or, I'm sorry, particularly uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, is that they are going to sabotage our miserable house from within. They want to bring down America. And so to me, it communicates that they hate this nation. They hate its foundation. And that's why they will not remember what happened because history has been rewritten. We are, we are living in a, another paradigm now with, with the reality of what happened 22 years ago. You know, I find it interesting. You talk about history being rewritten, and yet we have right here on this 9-11 anniversary, just moments after Islamists, you know, had guided these planes into our structures, the Biden administration today announcing with a, with a tweet, we welcome this weekend's announcement by Saudi Arabia committing $20 billion to support President Biden's signature initiative, the Partnership for Global Infrastructure. You know, so many are just finding this outrageous on this 9-11 anniversary, just moments after this nation came to a stop and remembering what took place, we get this announcement about Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it, it, it is beyond incredulous. You know, it is beyond incredulous that we have, we know that the Saudi government was uh, privy and, 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 and uh, had involvement in 9-11. And we also know that the Iranian government, the regime, uh, probably had some involvement uh, as, as evidence is borne out. And yet uh, he, he literally, almost to the minute, uh, is now, uh, as you said, signing and, and making this Saudi deal uh, when we have these 19 hijackers, the majority of whom were Saudi, were, were uh, citizens of Saudi Arabia, uh, killing, as you said, almost 3,000 people on that day. Um, again, to me, it communicates that they absolutely and vehemently hate this nation and they want to see its destruction. I, you know, in another era, Jim, we would say, wow, these behaviors are of an administration that seems like they have ties to another loyalty. And I think we used to call that treason at some point. I don't know. Maybe we don't even believe in that word anymore. But to me, everything that this administration is doing communicates that level of danger to our foundation and uh, how you can celebrate that with the Saudis, how you can all of a sudden, uh, you know, recently send money uh, and unfreeze the accounts of the Iranian regime when they're murdering and, 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 and decimating their own people in Iran. Six billion dollars they unfroze for Iran recently is incredulous when these are nations that were guilty in conspiring uh, with the uh, attack on America on that day. And and yet, you know, we can't limit this to one side of the aisle. It was George W. Bush who who called Islam a religion of peace. As as a former Muslim, Sharam, you must have cringed inside when you heard that. Uh, cringed and then knew at that moment, at that moment, Jim, I knew uh, when Bush came out and made that declaration, when Condoleezza Rice came out and made that declaration, when Rumsfeld made that declaration, here they signed the Patriot Act, here they're putting us now under another level of surveillance, and at the same time, declaring the, the, the ideology. The, uh, let's not forget the 9-11 Commission, right? The 9-11 Commission put out a report that uh, cited Islam over 322 times, cited jihad 160-plus times. They cited that Islam was an ideological motivation for what was carried out on 9-11. Yet after 2009, now it's violent extremism, no longer Islamic terrorism. And by, by doing that, Bush opened the door. It, Bush opened the door for Obama to do what he did in 2009 by being able to come in and completely flip the narrative so that now it's 
you know, it's patriots, it's Christians and conservatives that are domestic violent terrorists and not the Islamic jihadists mm-hmm. that are still, by the way, carrying out attacks on American soil. We just don't call it that anymore. We, people forget what recently happened in North Dakota and Bismarck when an Islamic uh, jihadist killed four, or killed a police officer and was, was car- planning on carrying out a massive attack with, he had 1,800 rounds of ammo and multiple weapons in his car. We forget that those are still happening. They're, they're still going on. It's just now they're trying to shift it and create that new narrative. And Bush, it was, it, I knew, I knew, oh boy, now we are upheld. This is an upheld battle. And from that moment, by the way, Jim, from that moment, no U.S. president was able to do what they claimed they were going to do, even Trump that they were going to label the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization. They were going to clamp down on their access to the FBI and the Department of Justice and the uh, Homeland Security. No, it actually went the other way. So Bush really set up the foundation for the damage that Obama did through his presidency. And now Biden, which really, in my opinion, is Obama 3.0, is, is, uh, is carrying out further with his absolute hatred for America and protecting America. That's, that should be obvious to anybody who has eyes to see. They don't want to protect America. They want to destroy America. Yeah, and speaking of messages sent, I mean, there was actually a listening session at the White House earlier this year, Sharam, many Islamic speakers, and the topic was that of Islamophobia. And I thought, aren't we kind of mixed up as a nation on who launched the terrorist attack? I mean, the, the president declares white supremacy to be our greatest threat and, and holding this conference on Islamophobia. We, we got something backwards here. Uh, completely backwards. Again, you know, as the Bible says, uh, good has become evil, evil has become good. As I mentioned earlier, the perpetrators have become the victims. And that's where we're at, is that they have made the perpetrators, Islam is the perpetrator. Islam, 1400 years, and as you cited in its text, they wage jihad specifically. It's mentioned specifically in the Quran and in the Sunnah of Muhammad that this is against the people of the book. Their greatest jihad, their greatest warfare is against Jews and Christians. Their greatest attempt is to subjugate Jews and Christians, the people of the book, and get them to, to, to turn to Islam. So on this moment that we are now celebrating 22 years, the perpetrators have now been lauded. We have the American Bar Association coming out and siding with the Council on American Islamic Relations saying, yes, indeed, we want to call on every state legislature and every attorney general to push for laws combating Islamophobia. They want hate speech laws, because if you dare criticize, remember when Obama said the future will not belong to those who slander the prophet of Islam? Well, here we go, folks. This is now happening in America. The American Bar Association uh, is now behind care. And Jim, I want to bring one more thing in real quick. Uh, New York wasn't the first place. People may not know this. It wasn't the first place to, right. you know, lift up this Islamic call of prayer. Minnesota, Minneapolis, mm-hmm. yep. that I predicted in 2019 would go to the upper house of Islam in three years. Here we have 2023, where they opened the door for the Islamic call of prayer five times a day. And the head of care said, it's going to be easy. It's going to be easy. We're going to do it in other cities. Friends, we're going to pause right here. We're going to come right back to the Islamic call to prayer. Can you believe this? I mean, the place where ground zero happened, folks. Loudspeakers calling Muslims to come to pray. What is the significance of that prayer? We'll be back here in just a moment. You're listening to Crosstalk. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris. Creation Seminar Speaker at the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, can one believe in God and evolution at the same time? Chris, many people do believe in God and in evolution by natural selection, but I don't think they should. The very reason evolution exists is to try to explain the fact that we're here without a God. It's a totally natural theory as opposed to supernatural. Recently, I heard from a Christian in Russia. He acknowledges that evolution was used as a tool by the communist government for all those years to discredit Christianity and the Bible. Today, there are many Christians in Russia, but it would be very rare to find a Christian who believes in evolution. Those who have gone through the communist ordeal have recognized that evolution and Christianity are incompatible. I wish American Christians would see that back to Genesis truth so clearly. Thanks, Dr. Morris. For more information, you can find us on the web at www.icr.org. 
9-11 Impact Lessons Not Learned. Our topic here today on Crosstalk, Sharam Hadian is with us. He is a former Muslim uh, from Iran, came to the States here in 1978, committed his life to Jesus Christ. We praise God for that. But uh, he does expose the true goal of Islam. He exposes the threat of Sharia across America. The question is, will we listen? Will we hear uh, the message that is being proclaimed. Uh, um, Sharam, just uh, going into the break, we talked about this Islamic call to prayer in New York City. You pointed out New York City is not the first place for this to happen. Minneapolis was. Uh, you said this is going to, to, to go to other communities. And now in New York City, something rather unique about New York City, though, is the permitting issue. Talk about that matter here, about uh, uh, about the permit. Yeah, because or in Minneapolis, it, it was sort of a staggered approach. They they had first gotten it to twice a day and then three times a day. But mean, right now, as it stands, the, 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 the Minneapolis City Council approved the Islamic call of prayer five times a day in specifically 20 city blocks. So it's limited to an area where there's a high number of concentration of mosques and a high number of concentration of Somali Muslims living in that area. But New York went a step further. And this is exactly as I said what CARE said. CARE said when we saw how easy it was in Minneapolis, now it's going to open the door for every American city. Direct quote from the head of CARE, Jelani Hussein, in the state of Minnesota. So the the decision by New York City, by the city council, by New York, is no permit. So now... They don't even need to apply. There's no limitations. The only limitation currently is the fact that they're claiming there's a decibel limitation of 54 decibels, but that's going to go away as well. And and, and this is intentional because what they do, just like they've done in, in Western Europe, Jim, is then they begin to force out Christians and Jews and non-Muslims out of those areas. That's how they create enclaves. That's how, because people don't want to sit and listen to this Islamic call of prayer five times a day on loudspeaker. So this is unprecedented, unprecedented that they would not allow churches to broadcast the Lord's Prayer. Can you imagine if churches were broadcasting on on loudspeakers the Lord's Prayer? That would never be allowed in today's society. There would be lawsuits filed before the, the, the day was, you know, the sun went down. But here we are allowing Islam of all places, you know, where the epicenter of 9-11, yeah. the epicenter of the attack against the, the heart of our nation in New York. It is beyond words. There's not even words to describe how grieving this is and um, how much we have fallen in 22 years since uh, that faithful day. Friends, I, what what Trump is saying here is actual, and and I just read a story this morning about I believe it's in Virginia where where a school board threatened uh, an individual uh, or who was going to pray at the podium during the public hearing time, forbid them from doing so, threatened people with arrest if they would it would pray there in that setting. Uh, you, you, uh, Sharam, let's talk about this Islamic prayer though, because that's important as well. What are people being called to? What is that prayer? that people are supposed to be praying? What are they calling people to do that New York City is putting their sanction on? Well, the Islamic call of prayer is called the Arhan, or or some say the Azan. And this prayer is basically, it's an announcement of supremacy. It's a supremacy prayer, because they are praying and declaring, uh, for example, if you are a Christian in a Muslim country, they will never, if you're subjugated, which the uh, Islamic law refers to as dimitude, if you're subjugated second class, you're not allowed to church ring, uh, you're not allowed to ring church bells, you're not allowed to um, have any loud amplification. You can't have any of that, because Islam is superior. So by allowing the Islamic call of prayer over uh, city blocks or entire city, they're declaring supremacy. It is a supremacy de- declaration. It's an announcement that it's the upper house. And that's what I predicted in, in Minneapolis, and that's what now it's happening in uh, New York City. It's a declaration that we are now in the upper house of Islam. We control this area. It is now governed by our rules and our declarations. And that's why it becomes a, it will become a no-go zone. I mean, we know the city of New York has in the past allowed um, Islamic patrols where Muslims wear uniforms that very much look like 
New York City police uniforms and they have vehicles that look like New York City police uh, vehicles, but yet um, they, they quote unquote don't have the same powers, but they have Sharia patrols. And this is the next phase of the declaration. The Islamic call of prayer is declaring that uh, their God, Allah, is the greatest. And that they wear, they, they, Jim, they bear witness as they're reciting the uh, prayer where they say, Ashuda Allah ilaha ila Allah, meaning I bear witness that there is no God but Allah. Is that what we want in America? Right. What happened to pluralism? What happened to, oh, no, we're a nation, we believe in religious freedom for all. If they're broadcasting those prayers, they are bearing that there is no God but Allah and that there is no other messenger but Muhammad. Well, wait, wait, wait a second. What about for us Christians? What about the fact that we believe that Yahweh is the one true God, and we believe that Jesus is the final messenger? Jesus is the Son of God. Oh, no, no. Now we are second class. That's what it means. Folks, understand again, New York City has established new guidelines, and giving mosques the ability to broadcast the, the Muslim call to prayer without the need for a permit, I mean, this all in the city of Ground Zero, New York City, becoming overrun with mosques. I, I was uh, interested to see, uh, Sharam, that even Yelp has, a, you know, the 10 most, you know, the best mosques to visit in New York City. I mean, we have gone to, uh, no, uh, to, to no end to make Islam just common and normal and acceptable and part of our lifestyle here today when it's the true goal of Islam is to destroy the infidel, the, the Jews and Christians, that is a tenant of Islam. It, it is a, absolutely a tenant because, again, subjugation and then ultimately war. Uh, the, the specificity within the Quran is that you either subjugate uh, the Jews and Christians uh, and infidels, which means obviously anybody that is not a Muslim, or you must then declare war. And the people forget, Jim, that the lower house of Islam, when they are not, when they don't have that power that they have now, the days that, that, that I've been warning America is to, to, to understand, look, in the lower house of Islam, it's called Dar al-Harb, the house of war. They're in a state of war. But once they get to the upper house, it's now in a state of subjugation and destruction. They want to destroy uh, the vestige of Christianity, of Judaism, of our Judeo-Christian foundation. They're doing that in Western Europe. Um, they've done it throughout uh North Africa, you think about ancient Christian places like Ethiopia, like Nigeria and Sudan. You think about the Middle East. You think about Syria and Iraq, ancient Christian communities. Look what they've done there. Look what they've done in Western Europe. Look what they're doing now in New Zealand, Australia, mm -hmm. and Canada. America is the last line. It, yeah. We're the last line. And yet when we see our government officials placate. And, and Jim, this is the problem that people don't understand, because when Muslims go to the upper house, they will turn on the leftists. They will turn. And that's what we see in Hamtramck, Michigan. Hamtramck, Michigan, that is the first Muslim majority city in America. They used to be a Polish community. Guess what they did when they got political power? They now control the city council. They, the mayor is a Muslim. The city council are all Muslims, Sharia-compliant Muslims. The very first thing they did, they banned the pride flag. They banned the LGBT, and now the LGBT community is shocked. Oh, we don't understand. What happened? We, we thought you were allies with you Muslims. Oh, no, 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 because once they get the upper house— mm -hmm. Now these leftists, these Democrats, these, these, or Republicans, like you said, it doesn't matter political party. Those who don't understand Islam and its end goal, they're going to be turned on very soon as the Islamic world is declaring that it now has power. And, oh boy, it doesn't seem like the majority of America wants to get this. No, and, and uh, you know, it continues to baffle me, too. How many incidents do we need? How many knifings? How many uh, violent killings when we see Allahu Akbar being yelled out and we're trying to determine motives? I mean, just a week ago, just a week ago, there was a Muslim screaming out with Allahu Akbar trying to open an airplane door in middle flight, and now police officers are trying to find a, a motive for all of this. 
Yeah, isn't that the common thread? Uh, that's the common thread now. We can't even, if you listen to every mainstream reporting of any incident, the one I mentioned earlier in, in Bismarck in North Dakota, I have a, a friend of mine who was a former police officer there. I called him and I said, hey, what's going on? He said, those on the force know what's going on, but they are prohibited, Jim. They are prohibited mm. from making any public statement labeling this uh, this this individual's Muslim background as a motivation for killing a police officer, shooting four police officers, killing one, and was gearing up for a massive attack. Or like you said, uh, the, the incidents on the plane. The, there's so many of these that are still ongoing, and you can't label it as Islamic jihad. Or, or even, even remember the days where we used to call it radical Islam? Yes, well, yes. that's gone. Those days are gone. We can't, so absolutely, how can you address the, the ideological enemy of our Constitution, of our foundation, when you can't even come out and report properly what actually happened and what the motivation? We, because we can't find the motivation. We don't know why. We don't know why. Well, it's a very simple answer. There's a hatred of America. There's a hatred of our Constitution. There's a hatred of, of our Judeo-Christian foundation. And the other element of this discussion is, and sadly as a pastor, Jim, at the same time that our nation is going in this direction, unfortunately many of our churches, many Christians, many denominations, many mission organizations are also going in, the, in this direction where now they've soft-souled Islam. Islam is tolerant. Islam is peaceful. Islam is compatible to Christianity. Oh, we have interfaith. We have multi-faith. Oh, we have an Abrahamic faith with Islam. And that, that has also killed the gospel to these Muslims, because the only thing that can t- change their hearts, just like what changed my heart, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even that, we have now abandoned all for the sake of getting along with Muslims. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Abrahamic faith, and I hear that often. Sharam, um, Islam is not an Abrahamic faith. Uh, we've got about a minute and a quarter before break. Go ahead and address that issue. Islam can never be an Abrahamic faith, and there's multiple reasons. In fact, just on our website, Jim at Tillministry dot com, we just added uh, a, a, a a article, a, a document under our Say No to Interfaith. It now says ten reasons why Islam can never be mm. Abrahamic. I encourage people to go read it and share it with your pastor, your mission organization, because I just spoke at a church in Minneapolis uh, last month where I was arguing with the pastor there who was trying to tell me Islam is Abrahamic because they claim um, Abraham as their forefather. And we go through the document that Islam can never be Abrahamic. And the number one reason has to do with their version of the covenant, what the Quran says about Abraham, who the promised son of Abraham was, who was Abraham going to actually sacrifice on the altar? Where was that going to happen? Those are things that, you know, uh, I know we got to go to the yeah. break. We get time. I can mention so people can be equipped to understand yeah. how to respond to this deception that we see today. And keep in mind, folks, uh, Islam did not come on the scene till centuries after Abraham. We're up against a break. Sharam Hadian is with us here today. We're talking about the 9-11 impact, lessons not learned. Uh, again, his website, Till Ministry, that stands for Truth and Love, tillministry.com. We'll be back in one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Muslims continually claim that Islam is a loving and peaceful religion. They also insist that violence is committed by only a few radicals who misunderstand the teaching of Muhammad, which are found in the Quran and in the Hadith. But is this true? The Violent Truth About Islam is a 24-page booklet that examines such claims, along with dozens of passages from the Quran and statements from the Hadith and Muslim scholars. What is the cause of violence and terror in Islam? This booklet will leave no doubt about Islam's long history of intolerance and bloodshed arising from the very words in the Quran and from the example of Muhammad's life and teachings. One copy of this booklet is available for a donation of $2 
5 copies for $9 or 10 copies for a donation of $12. Call 1-800-729-9829. Listening to Crosstalk on VCY America, Sharam Hadian is our guest today on the program. We're discussing 9-11, its impact, lessons not learned here as a nation as well, and uh, covering many, many different aspects, certainly not uh, totally comprehensive, but uh, folks, there is so much to break down on this issue here. Uh, Sharam, you were just telling us about uh, the Abrahamic faith. You got a brochure on your website. Uh, people can download this as to uh, 10 reasons why Islam is not an Abrahamic faith, and Uh, direct us where this is and give us another comment on this, because there are many who mistakenly believe that it is an Abrahamic faith. Absolutely, Jim. This is, in my opinion, uh, the greatest spiritual deception probably in these end times that we are in is this notion that, oh, Muslims, Christians, and Jews all have an Abrahamic faith. So they can go to our website again, tillministry.com. There's a tab at the top that says, say no to interfaith. If they click down, they'll see that document, the 10 reasons why Islam cannot be Abrahamic. They can just print it out or read it there. But I encourage you to print it out and, and share it with your missions board, your pastor, because it's very important to understand this is where we're going. Uh, we have a new DVD that we have in our ministry called One World Religion Rising, and I go through in that DVD, the deception of the multi-faith and Abrahamic faith uh, lie. As you know, uh, they just uh, created this this um, uh, Abrahamic family house in Abu Dhabi, where they have a church, a mosque, and a synagogue, all on the same property, claiming that they all worship the same God. Um, again, as I said, bottom line, Islam can never be Abrahamic, because their, their covenant that is described in the Quran states that it was not Isaac that Abraham was going to sacrifice, but it was Ishmael, and it was not on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, but it was in Mecca on Mount Marwa. So you have the wrong son, wrong location, and ultimately, what's the price of that? It ultimately denies the the messianic lineage of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And of course, Islam denies that Jesus is the Messiah because it denies in the Quran that he was ever crucified nor resurrected. How can there be compatibility, Jim? How can we claim that they ultimately follow the same God that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when their text vehemently denies everything about Christianity and about the Bible. It's, 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 uh, it's impossible. Friends, again, it's uh, Till Ministry that stands for Truth and Love, tillministry.com, and the video he just references, World Religion Rising, One World Religion Rising. You'll find that there on his site and how you can obtain that DVD there as well. Uh, I'd like to also hit with you the Biden border policy that has now allowed a smuggler with ties to ISIS, helping migrants enter the United States uh, illegally, uh, coming up through the Mexican uh, gateway. Well, Jim, the southern border, as those who have rightly, rightly, I remember when I was running for governor, one of the issues that actually would keep coming up is is the issue of immigration. And uh, from a, from a law enforcement standpoint, uh, this is not only an invasion, it's a dereliction of duty, because the ultimate responsibility of the federal government is to protect our borders, the borders and boundaries. We don't have a border. We don't have boundaries. And now we know this is further evidence of what we've already known. For years, we knew that there were those coming across the border being caught that were connected to what's called ASIC, A-S-I-C. These are individuals that are not Mexican. They're other than Mexicans. They're, they're other than um, Guatemalan or uh, you know, El Salvadorian or whatever. And uh, yet when they are, are found out, the ones who are caught, we find out that they were connected to the Mexican drug cartel who has been working with Hamas. Well, now we find out in late August, we find out all of a sudden, oh, these uh, smuggling ring is actually bringing in uh, undocumented illegals tied to the Islamic State. Wow. So I thought the Islamic State was gone. No, they're alive and well, and they're planning these attacks on American soil. We have convictions in multiple states 
uh, in the last number of months, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Indiana, Florida, Texas, Oregon. But you don't hear about these gyms because that's not the narrative. The narrative has been rewritten. And on 9-11, it is that much more grieving that this narrative has been rewritten because though they may or may not be able to carry out another 9-11 type attack with the help of whoever ultimately was behind that, uh, we know that they're going to carry out individual attacks as we already described in the last segment. So this is very troubling. This is a dereliction of duty. This is treason by those who are not defending the borders of the United States. I don't know how else to to say it because you can't minimize it. Folks, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. We're opening our phone lines here. Your questions for Sharam Hadian are number 800-733-9829. That's 1-800-733-9829. Sharam, I I would like also just further comment. You mentioned the church earlier, and, you know, we we should be seeing churches bulging at the seams. Uh, When 9-11 happened, I mean, we had special prayer meetings. Churches were filled and, and and people said, you know, God bless America, and, and America, uh, you know, we need God, and and calling out to Him, and that lasted a few weeks, and and you know, right now it, we're in a pretty sorry state as far as the church is concerned, and 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 people just not having a, a you know a care in the world about who God is, what He has done, why we need to worship and serve Him, and and we've thrown them out the window. We'll keep them. We'll keep them with us though, because we just might need that spare tire. But but isn't this an indictment on the church? Um, absolutely. Absolutely, it's an indictment on the church. We wasted a tremendous opportunity after 9-11. We wasted an opportunity where truly it could have been a moment of awakening, a moment of spiritual revival. Like you said, it, 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 at first it appeared, right? It, for a few weeks, yeah. there was some hope, but yet the church went back to sleep. The church decided it wasn't going to wake up and pray and stand. And that's why we had such a struggle over the last 22 years in waking up America and waking up the churches to the threat of Islam, to the threat of of, of those elements that hate America and, and, and ultimately hate Christianity, that this is an anti-Christian or anti-Christ uh, spirit. But today, Today, uh, we've done the same thing. We waste that opportunity uh, during COVID when, when instead of the churches being bold and, 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 and standing in the gap during a time where people were so afraid and so fearful, uh, we caved and, and we didn't stand as, as light. So I go always back to the Word of God, Jim, where, where it states that God will preserve a remnant. I will, I'm, I'm perfectly standing on that promise, but uh, the indictment of the American church is we are Laodicean at, 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 at best, and we are uh, apostate at worst in many of our denominations and churches. We need a remnant of God's people who will be faithful mm-hmm. to the very end. And that's what, that's what I preach to. That's what I'm looking forward to, because um, you can only try to beg those who are in a state of compromise in the church or asleep so much to please wake up, yeah. please Pray for our nation. Please pray and stand uh, when 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 they won't. They either we're not going to be political, they say, or um, they will. They're already woke. They're they're already involved in social justice and the social gospel, and they've already compromised the power of God to truly stand in our culture and. Our phone lines are packed here. Let's uh, begin with Yvonne in Cape Coral, Florida. Yvonne, you're on the air. Uh, yes, I just wanted to call and comment. I do not think the people, our beloved people in the United States, have any idea. Um, he's a brilliant person. He's running for president. Vivek Ramaswamy, he's brilliant, but I well, believe that this he's is... He's Hindu. He's Hindu. Yes, he's Hindu. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we're, uh, we're dealing with Islam well, today. Do you have a question on Islam? Well, uh, both of those are not what our country should be having a president. Okay, thank you, Yvonne. Any comment there, uh, Sharam? Um, I, I agree. I agree, ultimately. Again, it's the argument of, of, of pluralism versus uh, our Judeo-Christian foundation. I, I've always argued that uh, the founders never intended for 
uh, our leaders to be promoting pluralism in religion. Um, we're founded on the Christian Foundation until that is torn torn apart. So I do agree that it's concerning. Um, you know, whether it was Obama, we were warning 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 on, or now Ramaswamy. Um, both are 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 considerably um, you know problematic. But yet, look at the Christians that we have running as well, and 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 where you know how are they standing? So yeah. it, it's not. It's not, uh, you know, the solution um, is not in one individual. Yvonne, thank you for the call. Let's go to Brad in West Dallas, Wisconsin. You're on the air. Hey, Brother Jim. Uh, here we go with uh, Islam again. Never ended. People, the Koran doesn't even agree with itself. Just one example. Surah 30, uh, chapter 3556 says, Surely Allah and his angels pray on the prophet. I thought Allah was supposed to be supreme. Who's he praying to? So Jesus says, no one comes to the Father but by me. And in the Bible, it also says, I believe Paul wrote this, any other gospel, anybody brings any other gospel to you, let him be cursed. And with these Muslims turning on the Sodomites, the get-along churches better wake up because... Do they really think they're going to be exempt from being turned on in the end? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Brad, for that. And and some wonder that very thing. I mean, you've got, quote-unquote, evangelical churches coming together to welcome Muslims in their new mosque coming to their community, Sharam. Absolutely. Again, I dealt with this in, in Minnesota, where the Minnesota Council of Churches were encouraging Christians to open their doors during the month of Ramadan and, and allow Muslims to come in and show them what Ramadan is really about and, and, and bless Ramadan. And, and, and of course, again, we've dealt with this with interfaith, where during the interfaith uh, movement after 2008, that it really started picking up uh, where, yeah, the, the churches are encouraged to invite Muslims in and come and teach us about Islam. Why would you not, why would you not invite those who come out of Islam, like myself or others, who are former Muslims, who are now born again, blood-bought, to come in and teach you about Islam? So um, to the point of, yeah, exactly, if the Christians think that if they side with the Muslims right now and, and, and somehow they're going to be exempt when Islam gets that upper house, uh, good luck, because uh, 1,400 years of history has shown what the ultimate agenda is. The number one killing force on the planet right now that is persecuting and killing Christians is Islam by none. More than any government combined in human history have they killed Christians and Jews and non-Muslims. It is the most vile belief system. Uh, I'm talking about the text, not an individual Muslim. But right. I'm talking the about text. the text. Right. It is the most vile antichrist system that has ever been created by the devil. Um, and, and, and it's a mockery, because as the caller said, there are so many contradictions. There are so many things that are plagiarized. There are so many things that it doesn't even stand on its own two feet. Yeah, indeed. Uh, friends, just for sake of time, we're going to wait to take our next call till after the break. Sharam Hadian is with us, and he talked about the text. And we've got a little booklet uh, here called The Violent Truth About Islam, a, a 24-page booklet that examines the claims uh, made from uh, the, the Quran and statements from the Hadith and from Muslim scholars, uh, the, the cause, the violence in, in, in Islam. Well, the, the, the booklet leaves no doubt because it deals with the very words from the Quran that espouse violence. We have this available, The Violent Truth About Islam. One copy is available for donation of $2, five copies to a donation of $9, 10 copies a donation of $12. Uh, you can reach out to our switchboard here, 800-729-9829. We'll be back with more of your calls. Following the break, you're listening to Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. This week, America remembered the 22nd anniversary of the tragedy of 9-11-2001, where nearly 3,000 Americans lost their lives. So what has happened in America since that day? Islam has gained a bigger footprint in America. Islam, which we were told was responsible for the terrorist attack with these Saudi hijackers, they have more religious liberty in America now and liberties, period, than the average Christian conservative constitutionalist and patriot. 
In fact, our own government under the Department of Homeland Security has labeled those who are opposed to government restrictions related to COVID as potential domestic terrorists. The narrative has indeed been flipped. Islam is wide open to take over, and Christians, they're to lose their liberty and freedoms and be classified as domestic terrorists. Who would have ever thought it? This is Crosstalk on VCY America, 9-11 Impact Lessons Not Learned. Sharam Hadian is our guest today. His website, folks, check it out. He has so much material there. Till Ministry, it stands for Truth and Love, TILministry.com, TILministry.com. You'll find many, many resources there, things that you can download right from his website, an archive of newsletters, so much information, TillMinistry.com. Dot com. Right back to the phone lines. Let's see. We've got uh, Bob in Cambridge, Minnesota. Bob, you're on the air. Yes, thank you for taking my call, and thank you for having Sharam on here. I've, I've seen many of his presentations, and I was just wondering if Sharam could unpack for the listeners, uh, why do Muslims mainly vote left? Okay. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Well, uh, it goes back to what I said earlier, Bob, in the regards of the of the lower house. When they're in that lower house uh, war, deception is permitted. Deception is a key part, uh, a tenet, because let's not forget that of the 99 names that are given to their God, Allah, in the Quran, the, the, one of the uh, most well-known names is uh, from, from Surah chapter 4, is that Allah is the chief of the deceivers. He's the greatest of the deceivers. So deception is a huge part of that lower house. And in doing so, they will make allies. They'll make allies with those who are politically expedient or spiritually expedient, just like we're talking about with the lukewarm churches and the woke churches. So that's why they do that, and then they turned on them. The same thing happened in Western Europe. When the feminists, the leftists, the LGBTQ plus 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 supported the rise of the Muslims when they're in the minority, now as they're getting that upper hand, like in France, 15% almost population, they're going to turn. Just like I mentioned in Hamtramck. Just like, by the way, it's happening in Minneapolis as well. The the third ward there, um, they had two Muslims running, and the Somali community is now supporting the 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 Somali Muslim who is more uh, sound to Sharia law than the the, fem, the the female Muslim who was more open to the LGBT and, and kind of the that whole uh, demographic. Mm-hmm. So when they show their true colors, they will turn, and the leftists, and even the Republicans, this is not just a Democrat issue. Yeah. The, the, the Muslims in Minnesota, Michigan, and other parts of the country, they are now very strategically trying to uh, take a hold of the Republican Party as well. This has been happening for many, many years. Even at CPAC, uh, they've been trying to get control of that. So it really goes both ways. Thank you for the call. Mark in Monroe, Wisconsin, you're on the air. Yes, um, I have a uh, uh, comment and a question. Um, I think the leading uh, useful idiots for allowing for uh, domestic uh, terrorism are both our Commander-in-Chief and our Attorney General specifically. My question is, is um, do you think that, um, all things considered, other than, you know, parents attending school board meetings, is Islam actually the leading, uh, leading the pack as far as the deep state globalist, as far as uh, undermining uh, uh, America? Well, there's an hour response, Nina Chiram. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark. We'll, we'll have him give a short answer here. Well, I think the short answer is Islam is absolutely um, at the table. They are absolutely working with the globalists. Uh, they are well entrenched with every global agenda that we see right now, from the World Economic Forum to the digital currency to digital ID to smart cities. So they're absolutely all in. Let's not forget they're the largest voting bloc at the United Nations. So um, the question, of course, is who will rise to the cream of the crop uh, when, when really the dust settles? That's a question that many can argue. We can spend an hour on all the details of that. But, yes, they are absolutely uh, a major driving force. Um, and I believe that – let's not forget that uh, the book of Revelation says that those who do not take the mark of the beast will be beheaded. And I think history has shown the number one group that beheads 
is Islam. So I think they're a major part of this end-time deception. Thank you, Mark, for the call. Tony in Nielsville, you're on the air. I'll make this short since the last caller just about ran the clock out, but I wanted to say that I'm one of the people that have been asleep at the switch for quite a while at church. And I'd like to tell you that even though I'm a senior citizen and I've never been married and don't have any kids and any skin in the game per se like the rest of y'all do, that I will not comply, even if it means I have to sacrifice everything. And Bush and Cheney are just as guilty of this as those people that drove the airplanes into the Twin Towers. Okay. Thank you, Tony, for your thoughts on that. Um, Tell you what, we're going to squeeze one last call in, and that is uh, Patricia in Illinois. You're on the air. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. And I just wanted to say that um, we were were so misinformed about COVID, and and right now your guess is right. We are so misinformed. It just seems like they just sugarcoat everything, and this is a real problem here in America. And unless we, and me included, that we don't, unless we're ready to lose everything for the sake of Christ, I don't see this turning around. And thank you. Thank you for the call. And, uh, Sharam, this is why you have been out speaking and giving a wake-up call and providing resources and materials on your website for people to wake up and to be able to be responsive to these issues. Jim, absolutely. That's exactly right, because I agree with the caller that unless there is a sold-out, you know, on-fire group of Christians that are willing to stand, um, our freedoms, our liberties, uh, the way of life uh, will will be um, greatly dis- uh, impacted, if not destroyed. That's the goal. That's the agenda is to subjugate us, um, whether it's Islam subjugating us or, or whether it's the globalists subjugating us or working together. So uh, this is a, a very pivotal hour um, w- w- as far as for ourselves and our children it's a very pivotal hour for the remnant body of Christ to wake up, and it's going to be programs like this and individual people who are going to be the voice of this message to wake up. She was right. We were so deceived during COVID, deceived about Islam. We've been deceived about so many of these things, and I think it's very hard for people to recognize, too, that one of those deceptions came from our government. Uh, boy, that's another show that we yeah, could do, yeah. is, is how— how much the government of this nation has lied to us, whether it was COVID or whether it was 9-11 or whether it was uh, subsequently about Islam being a religion of peace. So uh, let us not forget those who died. Let us not forget those who were lost. Let us, let us not forget that um, uh, our freedoms were greatly, greatly disparaged because of this. Indeed. Trump hating our guest and folks, he's got resources as well and witnessing to Muslims. And that's really the heart of this is to see Muslims come to saving faith in Jesus, just like Sharam did as well. Thank you, Sharam, for being here. Thank you, Jim. And folks, again, tillministry.com. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.